0: Welcome to the Evan Roberts podcast decade in review edition today the New York Giants and the New York Jets and I'm joined by a diehard giant fan to reminisce over the next 10 years or over the last 10 years and that is a man who has produced CMB MB but more famously DA on the CBS Sports Network Sean Morash Sean thank you very much for joining me on this very special podcast.
1: Pumped to finally be here, Ev. What's going on, man? I'm
0: excited to talk to you. I'm excited to think back to the last 10 years, which started off very well for both of us. And let's start right there. On January 2nd, 2010, right as the new decade was beginning, the New York Giants were closing out the 2009 season with a 44-7 to loss to the Minnesota Vikings. Ugh. To me, the real story, though, is that the game was in Minnesota and was not at Giants Stadium. This was the final games at Giants Stadium. The Giants' final game at that stadium was a week earlier in 2009. The Jets' final game, even though it's Giants Stadium, it was the Jets playing Week 17 for a chance to make the postseason against the Cincinnati Bengals.
1: Sunday nighter. Yeah. And meanwhile, here you sons of bitches are. You're the Giants. And we're closing the stadium. So did that tick you off? It did. I remember specifically when the schedule came out going, wait a minute. How were the Jets the last home game at the stadium? It made no sense whatsoever. But as it turned out, I guess watching David Carr in the second half toss a couple interceptions to the Vikings was really the way the season was meant to end.
0: But you know what? It, it it doesn't even matter because like, if you think about the last Yankee game at Yankee Stadium, no one really remembers the game. The Yankees didn't make the playoffs that year. It was a disappointing year. You remember the moment. Right. You remember the fact that the Yankees closed Yankee Stadium. I'll admit this as a Jet fan, and it was a great moment beating the Bengals that night. Remember, Cincinnati had already made the postseason. The Jets were playing a win-and-get-in situation. I was there that night. It was about 5 degrees outside, and the Bengals had no interest in getting off the bus. You could tell right away they had no interest in that game.
1: It wasn't a game in the first quarter.
0: It was over. Jets had a wildcat run for about 30, 40 yards, and that just broke it open, and they made the postseason in kind of a miraculous way. Remember, Curtis Painter and Peyton Manning with the Colts basically giving up. down. Yeah. Yeah. Which, hey, by the way, not my problem. (laughs) I mean, seriously. But I I admit as a Jet fan that there was something wrong about it. Like, you guys should have closed Giant Stadium, not the Jets.
1: It made no sense, specifically because at the time it wasn't a corporate stadium like we have now. It was Giant Stadium. Their logo, their name, everything about it, the red seats, it bled giant blue. And the Jets, and not only the Jets closing it out. The Jets closing it out with a chance to make the playoffs. Basically, if you cared and you hated both tea or hated the Jets, stick it up the Giants, you know what's on the way out the so building. Did that,
0: did that bother you that night?
1: It See, it didn't. And I could actually tell you specifically, I watched that game in an Outback Steakhouse bar, the Jet-Bangle game. <laughs> I was so disappointed with the Giants ending that it didn't bother me as much. But it was like two days later as the Jet fans got ready for the playoffs right. that then it stuck with me that... Not only did we not close the stadium, they got to celebrate in closing out the stadium and make the playoffs, and that that did annoy me.
0: You know, it's funny. That year, they obviously were helped out, the Jets, by the Indianapolis Colts laying down, Peyton Manning coming out of the game, and as a Jet fan, I never felt dirty about it at all. I know Mike Francesa made a big deal about it. I don't think he liked Rex Ryan. I don't think a lot of Giant fans or non-Jet fans liked Rex Ryan, which I'm sure we'll get to throughout this podcast, but... He kind of made it out as if they shouldn't be in the playoffs, but you've got to take advantage of opportunities. The Jets did, and for whatever reason, because I knew, hey, Jets win this game, they get the Bengals next week. They go to Cincinnati. There was this confidence of, not necessarily that they were going to get to the title game, but a confidence of, they're going to go to Cincinnati, and they're going to beat the Cincinnati Bengals, which they did. That was also the game where Steve Weatherford had a little bit of a heart issue, I think it was, and couldn't
1: kick in that game. That's right. I forgot completely about that. I guess that's why we go down memory lane here with that. You see? You see? That Saturday 4.30 game, I believe. Yes, it was was
0: not exactly the uh, prime real estate of football. But after that, after the Jets beat the Bengals and advanced to the next round, Joe and I said, we are going to travel. And we're going to do it on our own. The station obviously wasn't going to pay a dime. (laughs) Shocking. So... The budget is, hey, we don't want to spend that much money. I mean, we're midday show hosts. We're not exactly right. making a fortune. So I had to get very creative in finding flights to San Diego. I had to figure out a way how can we get to San Diego? And I remember the first time I put it in orbits, it was like $600 a ticket. I said, Joe, geez, it's $600 a ticket. He's like, ah, bro, I mean, yeah, is there anything else we could do? I said, well, we really can't drive. It's a little bit far of a trip. Right, yeah. So I did some maneuvering. You'd be closer be proud. to
1: drive to Japan
0: at that point. <laughs> no, you're right. I did some maneuvering, and I found a flight for about 280. Think about that. From 600 to 280. What, layover in St. Louis, layover
1: in Boulder? Direct
0: flight to L.A., believe it or not. Ah. Oh. And I said, we'll just hang out in L.A., and we'll drive the hour and a half, whatever it is, to San Diego, and we'll go to the game. That's exactly what we did. We flew to L.A., stayed in some weird hotel. I don't even know what it was.
1: <laughs> I remember
0: we had, um, what's that pancake? IHOP.
1: IHOP. What's that pancake? Yeah, house? I forgot the name
0: for a second. Oh, my. We goodness. had IHOP at 2 o'clock in the morning the night we got in, drove to San Diego in the morning, and it was raining the entire time. And you can just imagine Beningo, bro, we're in sandy freaking ego, <laughs> and it's raining? You can't make this up. <laughs> and obviously the Jets beat the San Diego Chargers that day, and one very important memory I had from that game is the middle part of the second quarter I had to pee. And obviously I'm not getting up in the middle of the game. Right. Can't do that. So halftime, I quickly get up. I run to the bathroom. I mean, the line is just around the corner. Is the name of the Qualcomm? At Qualcomm point? Stadium, okay. yeah, the old Jack Murphy. And I see the line being so long, and I wait on it, but halftime ends. I'm still not ready to pee. I run back to my seat. Like, I can't miss a second of a playoff you game. You didn't go. I did not go. So when we secured this victory, okay, I never had to go to the bathroom as much as I did at that moment. How could you even enjoy the fourth quarter? I enjoyed, gone that I enjoyed it, but the memory is still fresh in my head. I would have
1: anxiety, like well, a full-blown
0: panic attack. I thought I was going to pee myself. You could bite the bullet on a couple plays to start the no. third quarter. No, you can't. If
1: you have to go that bad.
0: I'm a Jet fan. We don't get a lot of these. All right. I, I didn't realize they were going to be in back-to-back title games right. at that moment. But the other memory I have after this win was Joe, and he admits he shouldn't have done this. Walking through Qualcomm Stadium, we actually had to go upstairs to the press box because we were going to do a very special post-game, hour-and-a-half show after that win. Mind you, after the company makes you pay your right. own way. <laughs> Make sure you take care of, of doing the post-show. Great, you're going. great point. Joey's screaming at Charger fans. Streak over! Because they had some kind of really long winning streak. Over! Season over! Like, just taunting these Charger fans. And I remember saying to Joe... Bro, we have no quarrel with these people. <laughs> they were there just, is no rivalry here. There's no rivalry. This is just our opponent. Like, what, <laughs> what are we doing? And the next day, he admitted, I shouldn't have done that. <laughs> but he was crazy. so fired up. And then obviously, after that, we had to figure out a way to go to the AFC Championship game in Indianapolis. It's drivable. Well, we flew. Oh, okay. okay. Uh, for some reason, I thought all these years you drove. Well, we did. You'll get to that. Oh, okay. We flew. And obviously they lose this brutal, brutal AFC championship game. Again, game I, I don't necessarily think I thought they were going to win. Joe was actually very confident before the game. Remember, he went to college in Indiana. Right. And so there was this symmetry in his mind of the Colts are the team that let the Jets in the playoffs. We made this miraculous run of the title game. And for him personally, I'm back where it all started, in Indiana. You know? So for him, he actually was very confident going into that game. But it was a brutal, brutal loss.
1: After the game, I ran Pete, out of that I mean, stadium. Peyton Manning didn't feel any of Joe's, uh, no, Joe's symmetry. No, clearly not. Clearly not. I ran
0: out of Lucas Oil Stadium, went right up into our hotel, and actually, I wouldn't say I cried,
1: but my head was firmly into the pillow. When you make it that close. Yeah. When you're on the precipice that close, it breaks your heart. Of
0: course, and at that moment, I didn't think they would get back. I mean, right. I thought this was our one opportunity. It was kind of a lucky run, which I would admit. Wasn't sure they were ever going to get back. Joe, for some reason decides, I'm going to go out to eat. This is what he decides to do. I said, you're on your own, bro. I'm, I'm going to the hotel. And he goes to a place called Shula's. And I'm like, Joe, you hate Don Shula. Okay, you pissed off about the TARP incident and the title game against the Dolphins. They
1: just lost the title game to the Colts. How the hell could you go to a place like Shula's? By the way, what a week of a tournament. You go from IHOP to Shula's one week <laughs> later. I know. Quite a difference.
0: Oh, man. And so what ended up happening is the next day, there was a snowstorm uh, in New York. And so because of that, and there was some snow in Indianapolis, our flight was going to be delayed. And so I said to him, why don't we rent the car and just drive back? Like, we could drive through the snow. It's not that bad. We don't have to worry about the delay in flight. And that's what led to our infamous drive from Indianapolis back to New York. And how long did it take? It took about 13 hours. Oh, Now, the car ride features some things I will not discuss, but uh, it was a historical Beningo and Roberts trip. Oh. I'll leave it at that. I can't say anything.
1: And he more. hits a Perkins on the way.
0: <laughs> All right, so that's that's the Jets from the 2010 playoff run. Your New York Football Giants in 2010. Let's take a little reminiscing. Okay. You guys draft Jason Pierre Paul, right? Who Paul DeTino thought was a terrible pick.
1: Everybody wanted Rolando McLean. Is there. that the guy? Yes, that was the guy.
0: The other thing I want to point out is in the seventh round they drafted Matt Dodge. I just wanted to throw that in there.
1: Boy, but, and for those who say don't pay attention to the sixth and seventh rounds of the drafts, boy, could you have been more wrong in well, 2010.
0: You know what's funny? When you look at the drafts of the Giants and Jerry Reese from this moment until his end, there are not a lot of good late-round picks. No. There'll be some first-round picks that you'll say, hey, you know, Justin Pugh, Odell Beckham Jr., Prince of Mukamara. Not right. saying they're great, but some of them are decent. There are a lot of just wastes in the third, fourth and this the round. depth of the roster. Absolutely. You're right. Now, what was your expectation going into 2010?
1: Uh, I was—I think a lot of this happened to be my immaturity in watching what the Jets had done the year before, but we were still not that far removed from 2007. Right. Still had the pass rush. I fully expected playoffs, bounce back, and we're going to be one of the final four teams standing in the NFC. I'll never forget thinking that going in. Hey, keep adding pass rusher, that kind of deal. Felt the same way when they drafted the Kiwanuka that they did Pierre Paul. They had a
0: a kid in preseason play very well, a guy by the name of Victor Cruz, who not many people were that familiar with.
1: Wearing number three.
0: He actually made the team, but injured his hamstring early on. So Victor Cruz's breakout did not happen in 2010, but he was on the team.
1: And felt like a little bit of an odd, uh, if you will... IR stint. It felt like we're going to stash this guy. Like, he right. could have played the rest of the year. You know, teams try to play sure. some of that funny business. That's what it felt like Recruit.
0: Little did we know what was about to happen. Right. But really, the highlight of this season is the Giants are 9-4. and four. I mean, they look like a playoff team, and they're set up for this huge matchup against the Philadelphia Steve Eagles. Steve
1: Smith is an elite receiver at this point for the Giants. <laughs> I know he is.
0: I actually said once, this is the real Steve Smith. Right, yeah. Which I'm embarrassed to have ever we said. We were
1: wrong about six months later.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, no doubt. So the Giants are 9-4. and four, The Eagles are 9-4. and four and they are playing at MetLife Stadium. By the way, qu- just quickly about this. MetLife Stadium obviously did open in 2010. What was your first impression of the of the, the new stadium?
1: Disappointed. I went to the opening of MetLife Stadium for Bon Jovi. So, bo- actually, it technically opened for like a lacrosse tournament, a high school lacrosse tournament. But the first big event was a Bon Jovi concert to open mm. the stadium, and I went. Right. And I remember being excited. I'm going to walk the concourses. Bon Jovi, I could give or take, like right. I, you know, whatever. Take like me.
0: I went to Jay Z's concert. At right. Brinkley, like, says. I don't
1: hate Bon Jovi, but it's not somebody I'd go out of my way to buy tickets for. And I remember walking the concourses, and I remember getting in my seat, to my my then girlfriend now wife, and going, eh, kind of disappointed here. We dumped all this money. Yeah. I already missed the stadium, but I said, you know what? Let me see how it is for football. But my first in that Bon Jovi concert was kind of like, eh. It was,
0: I think that's what we all feel. Yeah, we felt it at the time, and I think we still feel it to this day. That there was something cool, and new, and special about Yankee Stadium. Something new and special about City Field. Even something new about the new Garden. Like they did a pretty good job yeah. renovating it. MetLife Stadium, from a stadium perspective, one of the biggest disappointments this town's ever seen.
1: Yeah, it's just it's a giant tin can with nothing to it.
0: No, you're 100 percent right. Uh right, so let's talk about this game. The Giants are playing the Philadelphia Eagles. They're both nine and four. And the Giants actually led in this game, thirty-one to ten, with about eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter. You guys are about to go ten and four. You're about to beat the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm sure you're thinking, "We got a chance this year. We got a chance to make another Super Bowl run." Pumping, obviously,
1: pumping my chest out that day, uh, I was I was pounding my chest like it was Wolf of Wall Street before it came out. I I, I couldn't believe it because the Eagles, just something about beating the Eagles to me as a Giant fan, will always be more special, even than beating the Cowboys. So, like that moment in the fourth quarter, knowing this game's about to end was great.
0: When at what point when you have a twenty one point lead in the fourth quarter with not a lot of time left and you know weird crap has to happen, at what point are you starting to get worried that, oh my God, we may be witnessing another miracle at the Meadowlands, right? When before it our fell eyes?
1: to fourteen, I want to say with about six minutes left, seven minutes left, it might have been seven ten on the clock, if I'm remembering correctly. When it got to fourteen, I looked at the clock and I think I remember saying to my dad No, there's not enough time left. But in the pit of my stomach, I had this. Oh, it's the Eagles. What the heck is going on here? Yeah. And then the moment it got, the Giants were only up a touchdown, that was it for me.
0: You know, I remember watching this, and obviously I'm coming from a different perspective. When the Eagles tied the game with a minute to go, Jeremy Macklin caught the touchdown, and it's 31 31. My thought was, got a minute. You got Eli. Go drive down the field, kick a field goal. This thing's over.
1: That's like. You did not think that. That's like throwing somebody a life raft in a tsunami. It was just not. You know it's over.
0: You really thought, like, even though you had the football in the hands of a two-time,
1: at the t- or actually at the time, one-time no. Super Bowl champion, you didn't feel that? No, I thought this game would go to overtime. I thought we would lose the toss, and the Eagles and Vic would go right down the field, and that would be the end of it. I never saw exactly what was about to unfold in that last minute. I thought we would still lose in overtime.
0: Well, what happened was Eli threw uh, a couple of incomplete passes and then took a sack. I mean, yeah. so it couldn't have been
1: a worse situation. So there were four- was that 2010 or 2019.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I got well, the difference right. is, I mean, you were nine and four, so, right? So you know what you're you're right, exactly. So after Eli Manning takes the sack, there's 14 seconds to go, oh. and Matt Dodge lines up to punt. And I'm sure, were you worried? I mean, Deshaun Jackson, you know, is back there, but you have to figure well, he's not gonna he's not gonna give him a chance.
1: To I wasn't it. worried. I didn't have time to be worried because I was so ticked off. I was more ticked off that here we go, we're going to overtime, we're going to lose a stupid coin toss, and then are going to go down the field to score. I was, I was convinced of a loss. I wasn't convinced of this punt return that was about to take place.
0: 65-yard punt return for a touchdown. The walk-off punt oh. return for a touchdown as the Eagles beat the Giants. Is that the worst loss? I'm trying to think as a Giant fan if it would be. Is this the worst loss you ever suffered?
1: That and the Niner playoff game. Yes. Oh, well, that, that was bizarre. That was I mean, kind of similar in a weird 97 way. 97 Viking playoff game sucked, too. I, I have a funny anecdote to the following of this game. And I could tell you, the Jets were about to play the Steelers at 4 o'clock in a snowstorm right. in uh, Pittsburgh right, right after this game. Yep. I remember specifically, right before Christmas, this Giant Eagle game, I'm sitting how I do. My sisters and my dad my parents have raised us. We watch Giant football on Sundays. We don't even go to church. It's about the Giants, right? Right. My dad decides, looks at all of us, we're not even going to watch the stupid Jets play the Steelers in the snow this game. We're going to go to Sunrise Mall in Massapequa, Long Island, and we're going to go Christmas shopping because we need to get out of the house and get away from football. (laughs) We go all in our giant stuff. We don't change. We go to Sears. Right. Cashier at Sears sees us all in the giant stuff. We're going to get rung out. Looks at my dad, young guy, and goes, hey, how would we do today? (laughs) <laughs> this is pre Twitter, pre like you're gonna check your phones. My dad goes ballistic. I thought he was gonna get arrested. Oh my Are God. you trying to be an effing funny guy? This, that, <laughs> the other thing. The kid, the kid must have been like eighteen. All panicked. He goes, sir. I got a holiday job here. I'm just trying to see how the Giants did. And we had to finally calm my dad down and realize this kid was for real. How did the Giants do oh, today? God. But it was almost an arrest situation in the mall. That's how livid my father was. I, kinda, this
0: game. I, I don't blame him. Oh, it was brutal. I don't blame him. Ooh. I mean, I, I know we live in this DVR world or a world in which, but well, then again, if he's DVRing it, he shouldn't right. be asking. Right. But we live in a world in which maybe not everybody is as diehard of right. a fan And so the world was just it. a
1: little different in 2010. I know it's hard to believe. It was like not everybody was fully engulfed in all the technology we have now. So it's understandable. That would never happen today.
0: The they actually got blown out the next week against Green Bay, which you could understand. They snowed here. Yes. They won week seventeen against Washington, but they needed help to make the playoffs. Right. They didn't get the help. And so they had a ten win season and missed the playoffs. Right. I I would think now you're three years removed from the Super Bowl, you're two years removed from Plexigoburra shooting himself. I mean, you have to be as bitter as you can after a 10-win season.
1: Yeah, and nothing will annoy you more as a fan than winning 10 games. In theory, you think you win 10 games, you should go to the playoffs, but it was the way yep. it all ended that— Well, they're 9-4. and four. Right, they're 9-4, they're and, and to finish 10 wins and not get in and knowing because you didn't get in the way you collapsed and then had no shot in that Green Bay game, it's, that's, that's probably the most gut-wrenching season of the last decade just from the standpoint of you had expectations and it all fell apart.
0: No doubt. After the season, John Mara announced Tom Coughlin was coming back. Remember, the Giants have only won one Super Bowl. They're years removed from it. They collapsed. Right. Coughlin is facing a lot of heat in this town. He's not the two-time Super Bowl champion. He's not the beloved head coach. Did you want him out? Because I kind of figure you're one of those guys that probably said fire him.
1: No, I was forever indebted to Tom Coughlin after 2007. That was the only guy. For whatever reason, I, I just I loved Tom Coughlin. And I wanted him out before 2007. But after that... I honestly felt like 2007 should have earned Tom Coughlin a lifetime pass. I remember believing that, so I did not want him out. I can honestly say that.
0: So you were happy when John Mara? I was happy. I said
1: because I said not his fault. I was starting to turn on Reese a little bit for drafts. I really sure no, I get that. And specifically, Matt Dodge was still a sour point in my life too. I get
0: that. 2010 for the Jets was a weird year. They had such a great run in '09. I knew a lot of that was a fluke. I wasn't sure how good the quarterback was, but at this point, I love the head coach. I mean, the head coach is arrogant, but hey, in year one, he backed it up. Like what is there to complain about? What I remember is the way the season started. They lost this brutal ten nine game to the Ravens. Sanchez threw for like seventy-five yards. It was you know, the kind of game you'd expect in the Rex Ryan era, a very low scoring game. But after that, they got red hot. They went on a hot winning streak. They had won five in a row, and they set themselves up where if you go into the middle of or early December, where they are actually nine and two, they're having a hell of a season. And they're about to play the New England Patriots
1: Did they beat the Bengals Foxborough. on Thanksgiving night that year?
0: Uh, they did, actually, yes. Okay. Very good call. That was actually the week before they played the Patriots. I only
1: remember that because I was an intern at WFAN. I showed up for my internship. Right. The tape op, who was supposed to cut highlights of the Jet game, did not show up bailed on Thanksgiving night. I came when I didn't have to, did all the work because of that, I got called cold in the back and got hired for a job the next day. How about that? Jet-Bangle Thanksgiving night That's game right. got me a job at WFA.
0: Now look at that. And, got, that. and it got the Jets to 9-2, and, and it got us thinking about, why can't we beat the Patriots? I mean, why the hell not? And it set up this incredibly big Monday night game in Foxborough, and Joe and I and Ernie at the time say, let's go. Why the hell not? We'll do the Tuesday show from a radio station in Boston. Let's go to the game. This is as big of a Monday night game as you could have as a Jet fan. You know, you're going toe-to-toe with Belichick and Brady. This freaking game was a disaster. Fun the f- little trip, huh? Oh, my God. Well, knowing how things would eventually turn out, yes, but 45-3, to it was a debacle. Belichick was shoving it down their throat in the final few minutes of this game, and the crowd was relentless to us. We were wearing Jet stuff. I was wearing my Jericho Kotchery jersey. Were
1: there a lot of Jet fans there?
0: Uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but there was a decent amount. Okay, but the Patriot fans were just vicious. I mean, they w- and we didn't do anything. You know, we're, first of all, we're getting our asses kicked. Right, this we're isn't s-
1: Joe in San Diego. No.
0: <laughs> and one thing about Joe during the game is he's yelling at the Jets. He's not yelling at Tom Brady. Right. He's not yelling at Bill Belichick. But that was the memory. I mean, these people were just horrible, and we stayed till the bitter end. These
1: people were horrible. They were
0: awful. And as we're leaving. We're getting stuff thrown at us. Didn't Ernie go to this game in a Yankee hat, too? Well, let's get to this. Okay. So Ernie decides to also wear a Yankee hat. Oh, boy. You're asking. Which we tell him, probably not the best idea. I mean, they already hate us. Why ask for more? Well, I'm a Yankee fan. Uh, All right. fine. (laughs) We get it. You're a Yankee fan. He actually got into a push it contest with, like, five Patriots surrounding him, Patriot fans surrounding him. And I thought he was dead. I thought this is the end of Ernie Acosta. He's about to get destroyed in front of the world. And Joe and I are just looking at him saying, what do, what do you want us to do? Joe, I could barely walk. <laughs> Joe, me, over. I'm me. I, I'm this redhead kid. Like, By the way, you guys just Met fans too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Why do we have to come and defend this Yankee fan? It was such a horrible experience. It was so bad. So awful. That as the Jets made the playoffs, obviously they finished 11-5 and five that year, much more legitimate season uh, than the year before for anyone that wanted to say that the, the previous year was a fluke. Obviously, Joe and I say we're going to we're gonna do it. We're going to go on the road.
1: And it should be noted, I, I don't think you can harp on that enough. The Jets were for real that year. Oh, absolutely. Monday night game, be damn. They were. They were a damn good team. No doubt
0: about it. The, the problem is they followed it up the next week by losing to the Dolphins, so there was certainly a lot of right. panic after that. But they finished the season strong. They won a game in Pittsburgh. And they ended up winning 11 games. And it was certainly... You felt better about this football team than you did the year before. You just figured this is a better team. You know, LaDainian Tomlinson is on this team. We still had something left. They added Santonio Holmes to this team. Holmes actually had a very good year. This was a really, really good football team. And
1: you're not even mentioning the best player. Revis is Revis at this point. Well, and that goes without saying. I mean, they
0: had the best cornerback in the NFL. Right. And they had an elite defense. That's the other thing. I mean, that's how the Jets got to -to back-to-back title games. They got it because they had a top defense. Now... I think that Joe and I were harder on them because with Rex, we expect it to be the best. And we always felt this defense gave up so many big plays late in games.
1: Right. The final score maybe didn't dictate exactly when the defense let you down. Yeah.
0: And so I think the numbers at times felt better than what they actually were. But nevertheless, they're in the postseason. And they go back to Indianapolis against the Colt team that did not have as good of a year. They're playing wild card weekend. And we went. We went to that game. I give Antonio Cromartie a ton of credit because his kick return Fly was huge in leading to the game-winning field goal.
1: You flew or drove? We flew. Okay. And flew home.
0: And we flew. Well, we flew there on our own, and we flew back on a private jet, courtesy of somebody who works at this radio station.
1: Are you serious? I'll leave it at that. Wow. Yeah, we were, we were living the life. You're living the okay. life. So that's much different than 13 hours in a car ride Yeah, playing 99 cans on the, uh, cans on the wall.
0: <laughs> How about the progress we made? <laughs> the problem is the following week they are scheduled for a late Sunday afternoon showdown with the New England Patriots. And I'm ready to go. Ernie's ready to go. Joe says, I can't do it. I said, really? He said, I can't. It was so bad Monday night. It was only a month ago. Remember, it was early December. Right. I cannot go back there. And I tried to sell him. I tried to sell him on. Bro, can you imagine if we win this game? Can you imagine? I I, I I can't do it, bro. Can't do it. So I said, all right, well, we're doing it. So me and Ernie, without Joe, went to Foxborough. We drove up.
1: Packed that Yankee hat again?
0: (laughs) I'm trying to remember. (laughs) You know what I do remember, which is kind of a a background story to it? It was the height of the Carmelo Anthony drama, where it looked like that day the Nets were going to get Carmelo Anthony. Like, there was actually a thought that that was going to happen.
1: Ironically, you're the only Jet fan in America who's checking
0: yeah. their phone on I'm that. I'm like,
1: yeah, let me see what's no. going on here.
0: And obviously the Jets pull off, in what my opinion is, for my lifetime, the greatest victory I have ever experienced. Uh, Bart Scott became famous right. for his postgame rant, but it was just everything. David Harris had a huge pick in this game, and Mark Sanchez was able to say, I beat Peyton Manning and Tom Brady in back-to-back weeks.
1: Which people forget. When you think of think of Mark Sanchez and eating hot dogs and putting headbands on and dancing with girls, the guy went and beat Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Well, that's what life. I think of. Yeah. It should be. It should be. And after that, I
0: mean, walking out of that stadium was one of the greatest feelings I've ever had. Like, we did not want to leave. Ernie you... and I wanted to circle the stadium the entire now, time. Now, you're
1: more of a realistic fan, I think, than others. I could fly off the handle. I don't, I don't think you ever really fly off the handle. I might try to get you to needle you. Were you thinking, yes, we're going to the Super Bowl no, after that game? I
0: was scared all week. Joe will tell you on the air that they will have a letdown in Pittsburgh. That the perception I got as a fan is they're going to feel we won the Super Bowl.
1: Right. Because you had already beaten Pittsburgh. Right. And now you just beat New England. You're coming off beating India. New- I mean, I would think as a Jet fan, you got to feel like this is it.
0: No. Joe did. I did not. Again, a- an example of Joe actually being confident. Right. I did not. I was worried all week that. This is their Super Bowl. Are they going to have, weirdly enough, a letdown in the AFC Championship game against the Pittsburgh Steelers? And, look, people could deny it all they want. They could say there was no letdown. They were down 24 yeah. nothing. Okay? That's the reality of it. They were down 24 nothing in this game. What Mark was- Sanchez had a strip-sack fumble returned by William Gay right at the end of uh, that the first half that made it 24 nothing. It was abysmal on all ends, and so... I I certainly feel all these years later that I was right, that there was some kind of letdown. There was
1: a letdown. That is one of the weirdest, too, when you think about all we know about Championship Sunday, one of my favorite days of the year. That might be the weirdest Championship Sunday as you do the Decade in Review. That was the same day that Jay Cutler basically pulled himself out of the game in the Bears-Packers. The Jets getting blown out of that game early, and the fact that the Patriots weren't involved on a, on a, a Championship Sunday... Makes it bizarre, but yeah, as a, I remember as a Giant fan laughing and enjoying that day like nobody's
0: busy. Yeah, son of a bitch. Because
1: of Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan made me root well, so hard for the Steelers. I'll that get day. to that.
0: I'll get to that in a second. The the what one thing I and I've said it in the stadium that day we were at Heinz Field. It was cold. It was it was what it was. When Mark Sanchez found Jericho Cotry in the end zone for a touchdown, that made this a one possession game with three minutes to go. I said to Ernie, and I can never be proven right about this. If we get off the field and give Mark the football one more time, we are going to the Super Bowl. I was that confident. Wow. And why wouldn't I be? Why the hell wouldn't I be? The Jets got off the mat. The right. safety was huge to cut it to 24-12. The touchdown and that drive that they put together was huge. And I felt, really held
1: on for dear life in that second Of hand. course yeah. they yeah.
0: did. Because, again, all the momentum's on the Jets' side. There's three minutes to go in the game. I think the Jets had all three timeouts. If they get a stop, Mark's getting the football back, they scored a touchdown, they're winning. And the legacy of Mark Sanchez and the Jets are completely different. And it came down to a third and six out of the two-minute warning. And that was it. And Bruce Arian says it to this day, it was the best play call of his career.
1: You needed another four minutes of clock
0: there. Or or the defense to get off the effing field. Right. It's third and six, get off the field. And it was Antonio Brown from Ben Roethlisberger, and that was it. Four nil down later, or three nil down later, as it was done. And the the Jets lost the AFC title game in just horrific, horrific fashion.
1: It's weird because that game feels like so long ago just to hear Antonio Brown basically (laughs) on the big third down at that point.
0: And getting out of that stadium was brutal. Right before the game, Joe's cousin had given me a cigar and said, this is for when we win the AFC championship. And as we were leaving, I took the cigar and I threw it to the ground and I was stamping on it, (laughs) stomping on it, whatever it is. You laugh now. I am laughing. But, you know, for, for everyone that hated Rex Ryan... I would just ask, what did you think? Back-to-back title games. It's not. How could you argue with oh, that?
1: No, but it's typical. If I was a Jet fan, I would have adored Rex Ryan at that time, and right. I would have loved the fire and loved the fight. But what comes with that is on the flip side, he's going to tick off a lot of people. But also as a Jet fan, why would you care about ticking? I head? didn't care.
0: It was all about results. Right. The, the, my greatest Rex Ryan moment was after they uh, defeated New England in the, uh, the locker room with his teammates. He said, "Up." Same old Jets back in the AFC championship game. Right. And I thought that arrogance was awesome because it just expressed how we felt. Like, wow, the same old Jets. That's right. We're back in the title game.
1: Totally embracing, basically, what had what all Jet fans had bemoaned and, and all of that, and making a mockery of it. So, yeah, that's fine. But, again, that's only going to ring well with Jet fans as he continues to bash other organizations. That was what was going to tick off other people.
0: No, I, I understand. And, and the biggest problem I had leaving Pittsburgh that night, was a fear that we're never going to get back here. You know, you get there once, that's great. You get there twice, kind of like the Nets in the NBA Finals. I knew after they lost to the Spurs, and I certainly Uh, had more confidence in that Net team, what are the odds they get back here? Can we just win game six? I know. Or or, or, or game five, for that matter, when you're in your own building. The point is getting back there is tough, and here we are nine years later, eight years later technically. How many years has it been? No, it's been nine years. Technically nine years. Right. And they haven't played a playoff game since.
1: That's crazy. You're right, because the Fitzpatrick year. that They didn't to make the on, playoffs right. that year. That's right. They won 10 games and didn't make the playoffs. That's, that's sad. The Jets deserve to be playing Saturday Thanks. 430 wildcard weekend. You. They were made for that before the Texans and Bengals. Were. <laughs> they were made for that. <laughs> All right, let's get to
0: 2011, which was a very weird season because there was a lockout. I don't know if anybody remembers, but yes. we actually did not have an offseason season. But then when the lockout ended in the middle of June, obviously it didn't affect games in the preseason, we had this incredible offseason that lasted about a week and a half, and it was during the summer, kind of like the NBA and the NHL, and I remember that part being a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, especially, I mean, if you remember, that was when Kevin Boss went to the Raiders. Yep. Steve Smith went to the Eagles. Yes. And it was like this mad rush of, well, you knew the Giants would bring back some people and not bring back others, and also it took right to the end of August for the Giants to sign Ahmad Bradshaw to a contract yep. extension as well. Uh, I can't really speak to the Jets' free agents. I can't think of it off the top of my head. But, yeah, it was a wild frenzy. And Actually, I think we all remember thinking that this is like the best NFL all season ever.
0: Yeah, we all loved it. it yeah. The lockout was one of those weird things that actually benefited, benefited us as football fans. The Giants drafted Prince of Mucamara in the first round. All the draft experts were saying, I can't believe he fell. Right. This is the greatest pick ever, blah, blah, blah. But let me ask you about Steve Smith because you said it earlier. Steve Smith is emerging as one of these really good wide receivers in the league. And now you let him go to Philadelphia. You must have been pissed off.
1: So ridiculously annoyed. I got the news actually on a 2020 update on the fan driving out. I was going out for a friend's birthday, and when that happened, meltdown in the car, slamming on the steering wheel. What do you mean? It was we were led to believe he was coming back. How could you let him go? This that the and then the immediate spin that would happen. You know, from guys like Tino after well his knee injury, this, right. that the other thing. But it was the idea that the Eagles had built the quote unquote dream team. Right. It was supposed to be the Eagles Super Bowl year. Now, Steve Smith is going to go take part in that? Yeah. I can't have that happen. So I was devastated. It felt like a minor version of the Deshaun Jackson loss <laughs> in the summer in a car getting the update from, like, Mink or Usher or whoever.
0: <laughs> and little did we know. I mean, little did we know what that move would turn out to be right. because— Steve Smith fell off the face of the earth.
1: Now, he later that year, he did score on Sunday Night Football on a touchdown pass from Vince Young to burn the Giants was in a game they shouldn't have won. Was
0: that his biggest moment as a Philadelphia I Eagle
1: I think it was.
0: Steve Smith ended up playing nine games as a Philadelphia Eagle. He had 11 catches, 124 yards, and one touchdown. One
1: touchdown was versus the Giants. There's your Young.
0: answer. And what's amazing is in 2009, this is a guy who caught 107 balls. Yeah. And this guy looked... Pro bowler. Yeah. It's, it's crazy what ended up having to his career, but... Kind of like 07. You guys probably went into 2011 with expectations that were not through the roof.
1: No, I was very down on the team, specifically because of the guys they lost, because of how the year ended the year before. Um, I wanted Conflin back, but I wasn't sure what the roster was anymore. Right. Defensive linemen like Tuck and O.C. getting older. Didn't know how I felt about 2011 going in, yeah. especially what happens opening day. Yeah, they get blown out by the Washington Redskins of Brutal. all teams. Yeah. Brutal. And that annoyed me. I'll never get That annoyed me opening day. Because here we are, the New York Giants, still not that far removed from a Super Bowl, and the freaking Jets get the opening Sunday night football game, that pristine Sunday night game versus our rival, the Cowboys, and we go out to Washington and, you know— Cruz drops a pass, and we get a tush kicked by the Redskins. So you're
0: really hating the Jets Yes. This oh,
1: point. the Jets. This is the sourest point I've ever been at the, the no, Jets. I, I could imagine. 2011. And, and when we'll, that schedule came out, what do you mean the Jets are playing the opening Sunday night against the Cowboys? You, We're getting buried versus the Redskins here? You on the Sunday you Sunday's look, the though,
0: at that schedule and say, whoa, hold on a second. Week 16, Christmas Eve, Jets-Giants, ooh, we got a shot to stick it to them.
1: I, I didn't think we'd win the game going into the year. Oh, you
0: wow, know, well, going into the year, right. that is. Did not. Um matter of fact, that,
1: that bothered me more. Like, wow, the Jets are going to dance on our graves. That's,
0: uh, I mean. I, uh, that's an interesting way to look at it. The Giants, had a, 2011 is one of the weirdest seasons you'll ever see. They get blown out by the Redskins on opening day. Then they start playing really, really well. They win six out of their first but, eight games.
1: Hicks on a touchdown catch to end of the half against the Rams on Monday night. Yeah, I remember that, two. right? ends up tearing his ACL, which that might be the most critical moment of the year because that led to what would begin in Week 3.
0: And and that was the emergence of Victor Cruz as a star. You know, we mentioned Victor Cruz had his big moments in the preseason. Now he's getting his opportunity, and now Victor Cruz is salsa dancing, and Giant fans are falling in love with this guy.
1: It's so funny you say that because there's so many great moments and great wins from that year, and the Week 3 win where Cruz emerges versus Philadelphia, and Brandon Jacobs catches a touchdown on a wheel route. The guy was never a pass catcher. That win to me, where Victor Cruz emerged because of all the expectations for Philly, is still to me one of the best tasting regular season wins I've ever witnessed as a Giant fan.
0: Well, Victor Cruz put together a great season. Right. He led the team in catches, led the team in yards, led the team in touchdowns. You guys are six and two, and then you start to really struggle. They lost four in a row. Oh. They dropped the six and six. They got a huge victory against the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas, which and is... where
1: the game was almost over with six minutes. Yeah, so yeah, two touchdown drives. From Eli Manning, and you want to talk about, you know, all the knocks about, oh, Eli, two great throws in his career. Go watch Dallas wow. Week 15, 2011. He put the Giants, a dead team, on his back. He did. And it still took Jason Pierre, Paul Block, and a field goal at yep. the end of winning the game. And that was
0: after, I think, that Dan Bailey made the field goal, but Tom Coughlin called a timeout. Yes, you're right. Had to re-kick it, JPP gets the block. Absolutely. And you guys win a game, snaps the four-game losing streak, you're 7-6, and six. all right things are turning around. By the way, the week before
1: EV, not yes. to get too detailed. Go ahead. They set the tone for the playoffs the week before when they went toe to toe with an undefeated with the team. Undefeated that's team. a good point. It was Travis Beckham catching an opening snap touchdown for the Giants going down the field on a seam route, and that game felt a lot like 2007 week 17 versus the Pats.
0: Yeah. That's a very good point. That you know, that did kind of set the tone. Yes. And I I don't want to skip the Patriot thing because they started six and two like we mentioned, and their sixth win was in New England against the Patriots. Without had Super Brad. Right. They didn't have Akeem Nicks and Ahmad Bradshaw. And it was this classic back and forth game between Tom Brady and Eli Manning, and there was a huge pass interference penalty on Sergio Brown of the Patriots, set the Giants up at the one yard line. They're down by four or five with twenty seconds to go. And Eli throws the game winning touchdown pass to Jake Ballard, uh, future Patriot, by the way. And the Giants beat the right. Patriots in this dramatic way. Jake Ballard. Had,
1: Jake Ballard had an insane catch down the seam at the time, because he was wearing number 85 like Tyree, you know, Buck and Aikman are calling it the Tyree catch <laughs> right, 2.0. Right. It was unbelievable. Jake Ballard was the man that day.
0: You must be thinking, by God, we own the Patriots. Yeah,
1: it was crazy. Oh, God, it was
0: Because even the loss in 2007 felt like a win. Right, exactly. Because of how
1: well they played. I remember them. thinking that day, I think we're 3-0 and versus the Pats recently, <laughs> forgetting that they actually lost that regular season. That
0: is a one game that actually does feel like a right. win, even though you lost. But... They lose to the Redskins after the Dallas game. What a letdown. And you're 7-7, seven and, seven, and you have to be thinking going into this Jet game, and we'll get to the Jet perspective in a little bit, but you have to think going into this Jet game, I'm not confident. We've played like crap. We just lost at home to the Washington Redskins. Right. What makes me think we're going to beat the Jets? You can't be confident going into that I game. I was
1: not confident, and I had to work uh, a shift at 4 p.m. at WFAN that day, Christmas mm. Eve. I was a part-timer on holidays. And I remember saying, I'm not traveling, during This is a huge game. Right. I came into work by noon, okay? That morning, my wife had me pick up a gift card to give to her mom for Christmas. I'm wearing my giant jersey, getting ready to go to work. Some Jet fan comes rolling up in the street, yells, Giant sucks, and throws a whole soda on me. I'm wearing an Eli Manning jersey. <laughs> oh, wow. And I come into work because I don't have time to change. It was on my way to work, drenched in soda, sticky, wearing my giant jersey. And I got to settle up. And I actually, in the studio we were recording this right now, is where I watched that game.
0: So... 7-3 Jets, very low-scoring defensive battle. What are you thinking when the New York football Giants have a first down from their own one-yard line? Eli throws an incomplete pass to Ramses-Barden, who was supposed mm-hmm. to be a star. He throws another incomplete pass to Ramses-Barden, and it's 3rd and 10.
1: I could picture this like it yesterday.
0: 3rd and 10, your own one-yard line, two and a half minutes to go, Jets up 7-3. All right, just take it from here
1: hand the ball to Bradshaw, give us five yards, punt, and just try to figure out a way to get to halftime here. I cannot believe when he slings it to Cruz, I'm a little nervous. This is going to get picked quick. And then he does that one juke move, goes the other way, and as he takes off down the sideline, my jaw must have fell about eight inches, and I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs, go, go, go. Mm. The moment he gets in the end zone, it's 10-7. It felt like 41-7. You thought the game was over. I told A play like that, 99 yards from the <laughs> you guy. You to tell me. The guy who had been doing it all year, knowing what we had gone through with Rex Ryan, talking about the big brother, little brother stuff, the covering up of the signs that day, the way everything had felt that it was cascading. We live in that moment now, and we look back and go, that was the moment I felt in that time. That was not necessarily going to win the Super Bowl, but we had reclaimed New York. We were going to the playoffs. Everything changed on that one play.
0: And history would agree I mean that's that's the depressing and kind of funny part about it with what happened to the Jets since that play what happened to Rex's tenure since that play and what the Giants did in the short term which is obviously win a championship
1: now I would say this we're in a very unique and I love the idea that that what you've done here with the podcast but out of all of the podcasts you've done I think we're at a moment here in this podcast where you get a truly unique both fan bases here can discuss their perspective and like Knowing my feeling now, I really, like, what is a Jet fan thinking in that moment?
0: I'm going to be honest with you. It was a kick in the balls, and it was awful, but I have this mentality, and this is why when Andy Chavez made the catch, I never thought the Mets were going to win the pennant. I have a mentality that some amazing or horrible moments could end up in the dustpan of history if the right thing happens. And so I looked at it this way. They're getting the ball back, and it's 10-7. That's the way I looked at it. Go march down the effing field and get points. Right. If you march down the field and you kick a field goal, and this is a 10-10 game at the half, let's go. Let's go. This play hurt. It sucked. It was awful. We know what history says about it. But in the moment, I'm very, okay, what? Now go. They're not down 35-10. Right. Go score. And what I think is forgotten about is the Jets did get the football back, and they did march down the field. And Mark Sanchez took a sack right before Nick Folk oh. lined up for a forty-four yard field it goal, a tuck sack? which he missed. It was a, it was a Jason Pierre-Paul. Jason Pierre-Paul sack. Paul, okay, so they were set up for a field goal. That I'm not saying changes history because the truth is, even if he kicks the field goal and it's a tie game, you guys can still win. I mean, look, the Giants dominated the second half. We know what ended up happening, but I did have that mentality of go out and answer. God forbid they score a touchdown and you get it right back. Bro, so me and that you was have had the killer.
1: more different mentalities at that time. I basically had the New Year's uh, poppers out. I was banging the pots and pans. I understand it. it. It was unbelievable. And what happens in the second half of that game?
0: Well, it? it's and, and that's where I don't know if Nick Folk making that field goal right. makes it. I, I can't answer that, but looking back on it, like when when you, when you think back to the memory of that play, then you think, oh, yeah, right. it was over. I mean but I'm telling you at the time I didn't think that because it's 10-7, bro. It's the first half. Why would I give
1: up on a game at 10-7? And because of the specialty and the enormity of that play, <sighs> I think we always, from both a jet, maybe not from a giant perspective, from a jet, giant perspective, I'm sorry, I think we forget how important or how fun it was when Ahmad Bradshaw ran over Poole and basically just left his carcass lying on MetLife Stadium. He lowers his shoulder oh. pad. And it was literally like somebody got hit by a bus.
0: You got everything you could have dreamed in that game as revenge against Rex Ryan oh. and the Jets.
1: And why did he put up the stupid black thing covering up the signs? The Giants couldn't see their Super Bowls walking in. <sighs> that really annoyed the Giants. Why would you even do that? It was just so, it was unnecessary. I- that was the problem with Rex Ryan. Unnecessary nonsense.
0: Well, this was it for him. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. I mean, the Jets should have been in the postseason. They should have won that football game. They should have made the playoffs, and they end up following that up. And I I don't want to jump to the Jets too much, but they end up following it up by losing to the Miami Dolphins, missing the playoffs. You know, Santonio Holmes is having his issues with Mark Sanchez, and there's a real question about the future of this franchise. But for your football team, you're thinking what? Because the season isn't quite over yet. It was a great victory. You're very, very excited. But now you've got to face the Dallas Cowboys on New Year's Day night with a chance to win the division championship, and all of this could go away if you don't beat the Dallas Cowboys.
1: I remember specifically heading into this game, knowing what had already happened in 2007, knowing what had happened three weeks earlier, and maybe just because I happen to live and friends with and family with a lot of Cowboy fans that Week 17 was more than just about the Giants going to the playoffs and winning the NFC East. It was more than just setting the table. To me, it was about once and for all, we're going to end the nonsense that Tony Romo is a better quarterback than Eli Manning because <laughs> he's going to stick it to him when it matters most again. Right. We're going to go into the playoffs. And by the way, if the Giants were going to win this game and go to the playoffs, to me, I was thinking Super Bowl. And a lot of that you know, might sound wow. crazy from a Jet fan's perspective, but we were still so fresh from 2007 despite the – carnage, including Deshaun Jackson, that happened in between this sandwich, right. that the winning the versus the Cowboys, to me, you forgot that they were 9-7. It was going to set up everything.
0: You know, I remember as a Jet fan fearing the same thing, that, well, we've already seen Eli go on a deep run. We've seen a lot of this core go on a deep run. If they win this game, don't give them a chance. Right. Because who the hell knows what's going to happen right. after that. And they were
1: explosive. <laughs> yeah. Look, I mean, they had those three receivers, and,
0: explosive, and you knew by winning the division, you get a playoff game at home, which they did against Atlanta. A game where Matt Ryan was hiding under the rug.
1: I hung out with Anthony Mason on the field for that game. Who did me? You did? Yes.
0: Well, let's jump to that. They beat okay. the Cowboys, by the way, thirty-one fourteen. They win the division at nine and seven, not yes. exactly ten and six or eleven and five. And now they're playing the Atlanta Falcons in the wild card round. Yes. Why are you hanging out with a?
1: Uh, so I end up get, uh, scoring field passes. This really i'm, I'm pumped Look up get you um i probably used a little pull. i probably shouldn't have had yet from working at the fan <laughs> uh doing some giants related stuff and i got field pass me and my buddy kyle go to the game we tailgate i surprise him i don't tell him we have these we roll out to the field and uh waiting with us to get our same pass is anthony mason wow mace is by himself uh he ends up buddying up with us and we end up hanging out with anthony mason he calls <laughs> over i'll never forget he's talking to michael turner uh, of the falcons right, before the right. game comes over and we watched all of warmups and hung out basically the whole afternoon with Anthony Mason watching the Giants go to the playoffs.
0: That is crazy. It, it was awesome. It was and, awesome. And I assume you were confident playing Matt Ryan in the Atlanta Falcons. It's the player.
1: Atlanta Falcons <laughs> coming to play the Giants. And, you know, the real shame of it is because of the Patriots' success right. with always winning these divisions and because the Giants have fallen off a map since then, that this is the only playoff game we've ever had at MetLife Stadium. And I think a lot of us as Jet and Giant fans hate the stadium or just kind of feel like, air eh, towards right, it. Right. That day, that energy, it felt like the old stadium. And when Nick's takes that slant and goes into the end zone and does the Dirty Bird, you actually, and I, I will tell you this, my buddy Kyle, the floor of the upper deck felt like it was moving. That's how crazy well, it was.
0: You, you hit on something that is depressing. That is the only playoff right. game at, MetLife, at Stadium MetLife Stadium that we've seen. I mean, even during the, the jet run that they had, which is now effectively over, it was all on the road. Right. So you didn't even get that experience. But you're right. I, I assume it was rocking because I've heard the new Yankee right. Stadium and I've heard City Field have its moments. That
1: day will always give me hope if the Jets and Giants get home playoff games and, you know, the that Cowboys, Eagles, and Patriots stop winning divisions. Yeah.
0: Right, you go back to Lambeau against a 15 1 Packer team, but, like you mentioned, Giants gave him a fight during the regular season, so
1: Bring them confidence? On. Bring them on. Yeah. Again, script of 07. The only thing that ticked me off, and people forget, that is the game in NFL history, I think, I've never seen more outrageous calls go against a team that ended up winning the game. <laughs> like, there was that play where Greg Jennings clearly fumbles, and he claimed his shin was down after the right, right. replay. Uh I think there was another Jake Ballard play when it might have been the regular season. His knee was down, whatever it was. There were multiple calls in that Packer playoff game. We were like, "What are the? Are they trying to get the Packers in the NFC Championship game?" And then of course the fumble. Chase Blackburn ends up picking it up, scoops and runs, and you know, the rest is history. I think they beat their asses, man. They did. They
0: look like a better team. The nine and seven Giants look like a superior team. I can't not to
1: mention it. the Knicks Hail Mary catch oh, yeah. at the half because that yes. was like whoop, see Those you. monsters. Good night.
0: Change the entire game. It goes from a 13-10 game to a 20-10 game. It, it was, a lot of that was about, wow, the 15-1 and one Packers are about to lose at home yeah. in the divisional round?
1: You think I'm arrogant now? You should have seen me that afternoon. <laughs> I can imagine.
0: Well, at this point, as you get set to play the San Francisco 49ers, you have to probably think, oh my God, we're going to the Super Bowl.
1: The biggest game of the Giants history is actually the St. 49er game in the divisional round. Like, you could pick all the giant wins you <laughs> want as far as the most important right. games, the idea that Alex Smith in a shootout goes back and forth with Drew Brees out in San Francisco that day, that Saturday afternoon, and the Saints lose that game, to me, is what won the NFC Championship for the Giants. Despite how classic it was, and despite needing the Kyle Williams fumbles, the fact that the Giants weren't getting on an airplane and going to play in the Superdome, which was a house of horrors for them— right? I am convinced. If the Saints win that game, the Giants are not in the Super Bowl yeah, that I, year.
0: There was a lot of that, a lot of that mentality going in about uh, I can't, we can't play the Saints. No. We've got to play San no. Francisco. Uh, what's your most vivid memories of that? Because it was a classic, obviously going into overtime
1: of the Forty Nineers of the
0: NFC Championship. Well,
1: laugh, being furious that Vernon Davis is standing up on a camera, uh, well or whatever after he <laughs> scores a touchdown. But honestly. Uh, just the beating that Eli took in that game, Stan. Yeah, he did, Picking really up the shoulder did, pads, the grass, and the fact that he kept getting up and getting up and getting up. And that Victor Cruz didn't score a touchdown in that game, but Victor Cruz was so important, basically, moving the chains on every third down they could. But Eli's toughness, and when I think of Eli Manning's legacy, I will always think San Francisco 2011 NFC Championship game and what he did more so than the fumbles.
0: If San Francisco's Kyle Williams doesn't fumble in overtime, we could be talking about something different. We could. I be. mean, that was that was could a game changing play because in overtime, both teams are having trouble right. driving. Uh, there's no sustained drive. The Giants are punting for the second time, and Ted Williams Ging puts gets, the ball on the ground. That Ted was it. Ted Ginn
1: hurt the week before, right? Yeah, he was. Kyle Williams was not the main punt return on San Francisco. Right. No, you're so, right. You know, it took an injury versus the Saints a week before. Like, all of that set in motion, which just shows you how hard it is to get to a Super Bowl. Oh, yeah. And how many things, despite how great you could be and how well you could, built you could be, and you have to put yourself in those positions. But little things like that that add up that well, you don't see that, coming.
0: That's what's so remarkable. And I think you'd admit this. The 07 Giants and the 11 Giants have this similarity of no one thought they were a great team no. going into the postseason. No. I mean, we just talked about where this season was going. They're 7-7, seven and seven and they're playing the Jets on Christmas, and... You're convinced what? They don't win nine games. There have been years where they've won 10 games and missed the playoffs like we just talked about a year earlier, and yet you get to the playoffs, give them credit, they beat the crap out of Green Bay, but then little breaks like that, and here you are in the Super Bowl again.
1: It's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. It just shows you. You just got to win enough to put yourself in the position, but it's going to take breaks. No matter how good you are, there will be breaks.
0: No, there will be. And here they are in the Super Bowl against the New England Patriots. Now, before we get there, the Patriots should not have been in this Super Bowl, okay? It should have been the Baltimore Ravens. You should have had your opportunity to have a rematch of 2000. That should have been your opportunity, but the Ravens uh, absolutely flat-out Blew it. I mean, not only does Billy Cundiff miss the 32-yard field goal that would have tied the game, but Lee Evans Evans. drops a touchdown pass in the end zone that would have sent the Ravens to the Super Bowl.
1: And by the way, not a pass that was too high, not a pass that was too low, a pass that me and you, frankly, would be cut from this radio station if we didn't catch a foam ball in the newsroom where it was.
0: I I think because the Ravens have overcome it in a way, they've won a Super Bowl, look where they are now, that's kind of a moment you could just... Move on and forget about it. Bro,
1: there ain't no Lee Evans statues outside m Bank Stadium.
0: <laughs> but he's also not going down as this... He's, he right. wasn't Billy Buckner, for obvious right. reasons. But it should have been Giants-Ravens. Did you want the
1: Patriots again? Uh, uh No. I did not.
0: You De- figured a second time around
1: there's well, no, no way. I, I was confident they were going to win the game. I, I want to make that clear. Really? But it's the risk-reward of... If they lose to the Patriots, it tarnishes, at least in my mind, what we had over Boston fans and Patriot fans, which, look, as a Yankee fan, we hate the Red Sox, right? And we're, we're close enough in proximity that we deal with them a lot. Knowing that we had ended their regular season, perfect season, if we go out and lose four years later in the Super Bowl to them, well, what, what, what can I ever say to trash talk a Patriot fan? They beat us back. Just that you ended the undefeated season. I get it. I get it. I was confident we were going to beat them, but I didn't want to play them. I would have rather played the Ravens. Well, I was still sour over 2,000. Yeah. I
0: mean, it's funny. You get a rematch against them. There's right.
1: not that much left
0: from 2,000 right. to really get revenge on. You're mostly getting revenge on the logo, to be perfectly honest But that's with totally
1: you. fine. With no, me. I,
0: I, I totally get it. I thought you guys were going to win. I don't know why. I think it was the way you guys played them at Gillette. I think it was the Super Bowl. I think it was the, the miracle run you're on again. But
1: but I, I, just, I don't think that was outrageous. I think there was a lot of common thread nationally. I think a lot of people believe well, the Giants uh, no, were no. going that game. I'm not going out on a limb by right. saying that.
0: The point spread in this game was three. Basically, right. Vegas was telling you, we think they're relatively evenly matched. Obviously, that was not the case in 2007, right. technically 2008. They were a huge favorite, and I thought the Giants would win that game, too. The reason I thought they were going to win in 2007 is the Patriots were clearly slowing down the last few weeks. They looked beatable against San Diego. They looked beatable the week earlier. They were not that same dominant team. Plus, the Giants were on this miracle run. But here you are on another miracle run.
1: It's unbelievable. I'm so grateful, and that's why no matter what's happened, and we're going to get to this whole decade no matter what's happened since, I just lean on those years and remember how thankful I am. As a
0: when fan. Aaron Hernandez, that's right, Aaron Hernandez catches Oof. a touchdown pass and you guys are down 17-9 in this game's second half,
1: shaking confidence or still think, all right? I started the talk with negativity. My friend Kyle, who was at the Anthony Mason game, uh, he did something that you've only ever seen in the movie Fight Club. He started punching himself very hard in the head because he couldn't take the negativity in the room at my dad's house oh my. saying, we're not dead yet, we're only down eight, and... To the point he actually cut himself and sort of believed Like, this is, like, violently scary. Um, but something about that, that lightened the mood in my uh, my parents' basement watching the game, and I think from that I just, all right, you know what? We're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. We fought back all year. The Giants' whole year was about comebacks. The right. Cardinal game was one of those games. They had that all year that they were going to lean on that and they were going to figure out a way. And sure enough, they did.
0: The Mario Manningham play. What comes to mind?
1: <laughs> You're immediately thinking Tyree. Yeah. You know, if you're asking me, just first thing comes to my mind, wow, we're having another special moment late here versus the Patriots. And the more and more the replay happened, the more and more you you realize that is the greatest throw we've ever seen from Eli Manning's career. And maybe one of the best throws we've ever seen in NFL history, putting it into a window like that. Uh, And Manningham's leg control, you know, foot keeping him down. It's just, it was as if Mario Manningham was put on earth to make that play for the Giants. (laughs) I know that that sounds crazy, but it, you know all it was Mario Manningham was tra- taking the third right. round. They had all these other receivers, Knicks and Cruz, and it was like that was why Mario Manningham was on this team was for that moment right then and there.
0: I remember on this radio station after the Giants won the football game, it instantly became Eli's a Hall of Famer, right? That's really where it went. Right. Because it's weird. Around here when you win a championship – you know, sports talk radio goes on negativity and debate. Right. So what's there to say after you win? Right. And it instantly turned into Eli is elite. This is Eli's legacy. No matter what happens from here, he's a champion. And look, Eli really tested that because he hasn't done anything for the most part since right. then. He hasn't had bad years. Don't get me wrong. He's had some good years. Right. But terms of, in terms of postseason success, the script was written. And so...
1: I think he could have retired that day and there wouldn't have been any debate. <laughs> may have helped him. Yeah.
0: I got to be honest with you. It may have helped him. What was your thinking after you experienced another championship from Eli Manning? Are you building the statue in your basement for him at this point?
1: Immediately from that point forward, Eli Manning is my favorite athlete of all time. Still right. is to this day. Uh, and, yeah, how could you? And I, I think I kind of regret one thing after the fact, and that is uh, I blew off the parade. Because I had gone in 2007, i gone to the 2009 Yankees. And I think I had this feeling of, we're going to win another one, oh, two more God. with Eli Manning. Uh, Evan, I know that's crazy for you to hear because you you as a fan aren't used to that with your teams. And I no, I have been any. And I don't see I'm really not saying that to troll you. I'm saying that the feeling changes sure. when you've won. I was an entitled Yankee fan. I've now seen my team and this quarterback who was still in his prime win two Super Bowls. And looking back, you knowing what we've gone through, I wish I had gone to the prey, but I remember thinking like, Great. You know what? We're going to go. I'll go again. It's cold out. Like that kind of deal. And I remember. Well,
0: You'll go to the Yankee Parade
1: in 2020. Yeah, <laughs> <With> the <laughs> or the
0: Brooklyn Net Durant Parade in 2021 or whatever. Uh, well, congratulations. The Thank Giants you. win the Super Bowl, the only championship this town saw in this past decade. Uh, for the 11 Jets, I'll do it briefly because we talked a lot about the Victor Cruz game. The tone for this season was set with one move that bothered me. My favorite player at the time was Jericho Cottry, and they let him go. They let him leave and go to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there was a worry that. Rex and Tannenbaum were allowing some of these key veterans to walk away. Right. And Jericho being one of them. Glue guys. Absolutely. Jericho,
1: for a lot of people, was, you know, the next Wayne Kribet.
0: Yeah. In a lot of ways he was. Class guy did the weekly spot with us. He wasn't the greatest weekly spot, but just a real class dude. They re-signed Santonio Holmes, which none of us were necessarily mad about, but it turned out to be a terrible, terrible decision. They needed Santonio Holmes without a big fat contract. And they signed Plexico They brought him in, which at the time didn't think was the worst thing in the world. I wasn't confident they were getting back to a title game, but I certainly hope they'd be in the postseason. We know what happened in the giant game. We touched on it. But after that week 17 against the Dolphins, they had a chance and that game was marred by Sanchez and Holmes arguing in the huddle. Holmes continued to feel as if, hey, I was the scapegoat. You know, people kind of blame me for it. You
1: can't operate as an offense when a wide receiver is acting like that to a quarterback. It's engulfing. It's, it's tough. It's suffocating. It's tough. It's suffocating. And
0: I think at that point, the Jets probably needed to move on. Yeah. They chose not to. I was hoping that 2011 was, look, it was Rex's first bad year. He had two really, really good years. He had a bad year. I still have confidence in him. Let it be teachable. Yeah. Let's get the next Learn season. from it. Get better. I mean, that's the hope I had. You guys are going into 2012. I don't know if you're thinking about winning another Super Bowl. But your first-round pick was a fellow named David Wilson. I was annoyed that day. By the, by taking the running back, yeah, David Wilson? Yeah, I was
1: never a running back in the first-round guy at all. And I we had just paid Ahmad Bradshaw the year before. And I know Jacobs was kind of on his last legs. And I guess because it's the end of the first round, it's just kind of, hey, try to take the best player. But I'm a college football fan myself. I never viewed David Wilson as a first-round talent when he was in college anyway, Virginia. Yep. So when the Giants took him... To me, it's funny to say now looking back, but I remember being annoyed. And when you look back at what happened in the collapse of Jerry Reese, people will point to a lot of things and will point to Eric Flowers, which I'm sure we'll get to, that mm-hmm. error that was terrible. The David Wilson pick was the beginning of the end of the giant wall crumbling to me.
0: Interesting. Well, you got that big Wednesday or Thursday. I think it was actually a Wednesday night. It was night. Wednesday
1: because of like primaries or something.
0: He, no, I think it was the convention of the convention. If I'm not okay. I think uh, the Republican convention or the Democrat, maybe the Republican convention occurred. So they
1: actually played on a Wednesday night, which was bizarre. And guys lost to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, it was a kid from Queens on Dallas made all the plays that they don't forgetting the kid's name. Do you, like, you want me to tell you? You remember him? Yeah. Who was it? Kevin Ogletree. Kevin Ogletree, right? Yeah.
0: You you being cute right now? No, ah.
1: I, f- I forgot to say, but I remember him being a Queens guy.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I I had something about Kevin Ogletree. Okay. But I'm going to leave it out.
1: Oh, okay. I don't want to get into it. Oh, okay, all right, never mind. <laughs>
0: something about Ke- nothing bad about Kevin Ogletree, nothing bad about him, but something about. Put it this way, maybe it involves a girl. We'll leave it at that. With you?
1: <laughs> Are you serious? I'm Do I- dead serious. Is this That's like a why- well-known story that I don't know? I mean, I told like a
0: person or two. It's not that big of a deal. You
1: guys shared
0: a no. Female? Hold on a second. I'm not getting into the details of this. <laughs> This podcast is not for that. Okay. right. Sorry. Well, I mean, that could be a big part of this decade it could, what like this. <laughs> it could be. So you guys are 6-2 and two again. I mean, yes. you're probably thinking we're in good shape, right?
1: I, I, you had to have been. You had to have been. Um, how do you not get fired up? You're following a Super Bowl. It's a 6-2 and two start. Coughlin's got the team cooking. Jason Pierre-Paul's still pretty damn good. Eli looks like Eli. Just find a way because so many of the Giants' second halfs, before then and after yeah. then even the lean years were about second half collapses, so that was the only thing you had to keep your eye on.
0: And they had one. I and mean, yeah. let's face it, three and five is a second half collapse.
1: Yeah. Including that Saint game. Oh. Uh which I think they did they won that. They Saint won game. that game. They because, scored fifty two points in The that reason game. I bring that up, that game started with a David Wilson kick return. That was his best moment of the time uh, yeah. with the backflip. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The problem was they got destroyed by the Atlanta Falcons. They got destroyed by the Baltimore Ravens. Ravens. And then even though they beat the Eagles week 17, it was too little too late. I think what's funny about it is they won nine games again. Right. And it just shows you that all nine wins and all ten wins are certainly not Not created equal. Yeah.
1: Nine and seven the end of the next year. And what what good does it do? No. That Falcon game was atrocious. So was the Raven game.
0: Does it make it easier when Ravens was
1: the end of Corey Webster, by the way. Oh, was was it? He was toast after that.
0: Yeah. And he had his great moment from the previous decade interception against Brett Favre. Does it make it easier? When you win a Super Bowl the year before? Yes. I don't know what that's yes. like. Yes, it does. Okay.
1: You're ticked, but the, it's not the same sourness that you would have in 2010.
0: So do you remember the big story going into 2012 with the New York Jets after
1: an 8-8 season? They made a signing. Do you remember what the signing was? The Jets make a signing heading into 2012. The Jets brought in a football player. Was... <laughs> no, that wouldn't have been
0: it. This was one of the big sports talk radio Tim topics. Tebow? That would be Timothy Tebow. Okay. Tim Tebow is brought in. Remember, God, is the, that long ago? Yeah, it was 2012. It's crazy. Remember that year before he is the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. He wins seven games. They they go on this you know run or whatever, Including
1: beating the Jets on a Thursday night. Yeah, of
0: course. And so I don't know whose idea it was. Was it Rex? Was it Tannenbaum? I don't know. Was it Woody? But they said, let's bring Tim Tebow in. What most, better idea? The most publicized
1: punt protector of all time.
0: <laughs> well, they were going to run a lot of Wildcats. Right. That was their plan. I mean, inevitably, we thought, is this guy actually going to replace Mark Sanchez? He only threw eight passes in his career. It wasn't that big of a deal. But I think the big deal was the oxygen of the room is taken out. I mean, they signed Tim Tebow, and he's having a press conference. I hated it. Most Jet fans hated it. It felt gimmicky. It felt stupid. And it felt like it was an intention getting kind of move. And that's what was very disappointing as a Jet fan that this is supposed to be the bounce back year. This is supposed to be the year where we turn the page from a year earlier. And that wasn't the case at all. I mean, the Jets from the beginning, you know, they they won an opening day against Buffalo. But after that, they, they, they were mediocre. They were just a bad, bad average media. Average isn't even fair. They were just a bad football team. And Sanchez, it felt like, you know regressed, which was the biggest disappointment because he's 26 years old. He's already been a guy that's been to title games. Like, why is he regressing? There was one game we saw Greg McElroy play just to see what we had in this guy. What did we think we had in Greg McElroy?
1: And if I remember correctly, this was also supposed to be a point in time where it was pivotal for Mark Sanchez because as the defense started to get older a little bit, it was supposed to be kind of that transition where, okay, if Sanchez is really the goods as a first-round quarterback, now's the time where you kind of put the focus on him, and he's the guy to carry you home, not necessarily the defense with him controlling a game.
0: Yeah, and this, by the way, it was it, believe it or not, this was going to be it for Mark Sanchez because after the season they hired a new general manager, John Idzik, and they drafted Geno Smith. Which at the time, I mean, yeah, I, I was nervous about Sanchez. Mark Sanchez had a brutal 2012 season, and I think a lot of the blame in my eyes went to why'd you bring in Tim Tebow and also can Rex Ryan develop a quarterback? He's right. a defensive minded guy. Uh, They got the most out of him in terms of wins, but it felt like, wow, we've probably seen the best of him. It's never going to get better with him.
1: And I firmly am a believer in this in the NFL in that a lot of times you obviously have to have the talent, but it's all about the right place, right time, right system that can get the most out of you. And Mark Sanchez, I think, is one of those guys, and I actually feel this way about David Carr as well, that if put with different coaching in a different scenario to start their career, despite him going to two AFC Championship games— Mark Sanchez might still be playing in this league as a starter, as a franchise quarterback. It's just something can happen with your confidence, with your development. I do think there's some of those guys that
0: I think a lot of it is yourself, right. but I think a lot of it is coaching. Right. I think David Carr is a great comparison. That the amount of sacks he took right. early on certainly didn't help him out throughout the growth of his career. It was just it was sad because even though I never thought Mark Sanchez is going to be Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, the guy won. How many playoff games in his first
1: two years on the road against elite quarterbacks? you got to have something upstairs to be able to do that. Yeah, that's not just all luck. It wasn't just the defense making plays. He had to make critical throws and critical decisions in those games to get them home. And and
0: I always say, I said it to you earlier, I thought if the defense got off the field against Pittsburgh, Mark Sanchez was going to lead him to the Super Bowl. And so it was very sad watching what happened that season. Look, did the Tim Tebow thing cause it? I can't say it caused it, but it didn't help is the way I looked at it. And it was very, very unfortunate. In 2013, for you guys, you drafted Justin Pugh in the first round, and you allowed Um, O.C. Manure to leave and go to Atlanta. We started to see the core of that defense starting to break up. A year from now, Justin Tuck would be leaving. Not saying it was a bad decision, but they always had problems with O.C. as far as getting on the same page with the contract.
1: Yeah, and also this was the beginning of, oh, wow. Did we just forget that this offensive line that carried us through two Super Bowls mainly was going to get old and start disintegrating? So we had to take a swing at Justin Pugh who, at the time, that was a big offensive line heavy draft in 2013. Right. And not that Justin Pugh was a bad Giant. He certainly got beat up and was injured throughout his career. But they kind of were left sitting there going, well, we didn't trade up for one of these guys that we wanted. And Justin Pugh was kind of viewed as a second-round talent that all of a sudden we had to probably reach for in the first round.
0: Yeah, I think the biggest problem and what I remember about this season is that you guys couldn't get out of your own way to yep. start. You started the season off 0-6, and... I give Coughlin and the team credit because it was actually a seven and nine season, right. so they finished incredibly strong. Well,
1: it should have been zero and seven. They yes. played Josh Freeman and the Vikings right. on a Monday night game. <laughs> That's right. And if it's not Josh Freeman and the Vikings, by the way, the, I think they were both zero six at the time. They might yes. have been the worst Monday night game of all time. <laughs> they played at MetLife. The Giants got themselves to four and six. And I remember Antrel Roll kind of carrying it. Yep. For whatever the reason this year. Mm-hmm. The Giants thought they were buyers, and they trade for John Beeson mm. to be a middle linebacker and a leader on the defense, and they get the Cowboys at MetLife at 4-6, and six, where if the Giants were to win, they would have pulled a game back of Dallas You're in it. and be right in it, and it wasn't meant to be, and Romo absolutely burned them.
0: Yeah, lost that game to Dallas, beat Washington the following week, and then lost back-to-back badly to the Chargers and the Seahawks, and even though they won the final two games of the year, it was a lost 7-9 season after an 0-6 start, guys right. were eliminated after week 14, and... And I don't know if you're starting to worry about this, but now all of a sudden, you know, the Giants are starting to struggle after winning a championship yeah. two years earlier, from 9-7 and seven now to 7-9 and nine, to what the hell's the future of the team? There's
1: a different mentality in that you're still seeing Eli Manning the face of these Super Bowls on as your quarterback. Well, not realizing basically the foundation behind him is completely disintegrating below before your eyes, and you still have this blind trust of Jerry Reese that's little by little starting to deteriorate that, oh, you'll just plug and play, and these guys will be fine. It's bad luck that's hurting us here.
0: Yep, no, you're right. For the Jets in 2013, they hired John Idzik as the GM. At the time of this, and Joe says this a lot now, they should have kept Mike Tanabama and Rex Ryan. I wasn't ready to fire Rex Ryan yet. I'm sure you guys were because you always hated him. Right. Get him out of here. Get him out
1: of here. I've had it. You've had it. I've had it. Yeah,
0: because because I care what you think. I mean, honestly, he only had at that point one really bad year, had a disappointing year, and a bad year following up two title games. I just had a tough time eliminating the fact that they went to back to back title games. And I think I it, was it was
1: just, I think we was watching the progression, though. You know, could see it. It was well. Look, I I, I
0: wasn't sure what to expect right. because things were changing. John Inzik is hired as the GM. He drafts Geno Smith, who I gotta tell you, I didn't know what to expect from Geno Smith. And I saw was, him a little bit in college, but gino I didn't Smith know what to gino pouting think.
1: like a baby at the draft and stuff like that. He wasn't going to come back to night two. That didn't bother me. There was early signs of immaturity with Gino. So well,
0: that, look, it turned out to be that he was immature. Right. But just telling you at the time, I just didn't think it was that big of a deal. But what I thought was if Mark Sanchez plays well in camp, he should start and let Gino sit and let Gino wait. And I'm convinced that's what Rex wanted. And that's what led to one of the most famous moments in the Snoopy Bowl history, a game I was at, in which Rex inserts Mark Sanchez behind what felt like a fifth-string offensive uh. line for him to get hurt and just blow up what was left of his Jet career and forcing Geno Smith to start right away.
1: Wait, now that you say that and Geno forced, did we gloss over the year before the butt fumble? Yes, we did. You purposely skipped the I just don't fumble? think it's important. It's one of the top five moments. What, of the, uh, to, to, to who? To Giant fans. Oh, do. to
0: Giant fans. Listen, I've gone over this, and I don't want to spend ten minutes yelling at you. I understand. The butt fumble is one of the most overrated things in the history of sports. The man ran into an ass. Then. No, the ass got pushed into him. It happens. His face hit an ass, okay. and he fumbled the ball. Big deal. They got their asses kicked by the Patriots. That's really what matters. It was
1: Thanksgiving
0: night, I and a it. man
1: ran into an ass. Oh, God. It's Here we a go. big moment. Do, do your little rant. No, that's it. It's no, funny. It. ran into to an ass, I It's, no, it's fine.
0: You can go over. I'm glad you brought it up. I'm glad we could discuss right. it. Yes, the butt fumble.
1: For some reason, I was thinking that was 2013, and now as you're getting into the no. Geno stuff, I'm no, like, wait, wait a minute. You missed was... the butt fumble. <laughs> I didn't miss it.
0: I didn't think it was important. <laughs> Whole it was decade, a... and we're not going to mention the butt fumble? <laughs> they got blown out by the Patriots on Thanksgiving. That's a, What's the headline there? Man runs into ass. Oh, God. Poor Brandon go. Moore. What That's did he it. do so wrong? <laughs> Anyhow, the bigger thing about Mark Sanchez is He's inserted in the Snoopy Bowl, gets hurt, and his jet career is blown up. But but here's the crazier part, right? So Mark Sanchez can't play, right? He's not going to play. So right. Rex Ryan is forced to have to start Geno Smith. And even though Geno's numbers, you can look at his stats and say, boy, what a, what a crappy rookie year. When they beat the Falcons on that Monday night, which knocked me out of my knockout Knocked point, me out, too. And I didn't mind. I was right. like, great, this is bad. Three and two, guy plays his ass off. I'm like, oh my God, they found that guy. Maybe we have something, bro. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Two weeks later, they beat the Patriots in overtime. That's They're right. They're four and three. They beat the Saints two weeks later. They're five and four. I'm thinking That is wow. right. The Patriot Saint wins that year. That's right. I'm thinking, wow, I got something here. And by the way, I watched that Patriot game in California. Buddy of mine was getting married. I didn't take any days off. I worked Friday from California, did the wedding Saturday, Sunday, 10 a.m. Jets-Patriots. It was a beautiful thing.
1: Isn't beautiful. football on the West Coast the best?
0: It's kind of cool. not going to lie to you. But then they lose three in a row to Buffalo, to the Ravens, to the Dolphins, where they can't score a freaking point. Geno Smith is regressing, which I guess you'd expect. But, but here's Maybe the thing. Maybe we
1: don't have something here, bro. Well,
0: <laughs> I think the bar was set high because of Sanchez. I mean, right. Sanchez as a rookie was in the championship game. Right. Like, I can't ignore that. But the biggest memory was they won their final two games. They beat the Dolphins in Miami, and everybody's happy Rex is coming back. You know, the Jets are celebrating. You know, right. Woody comes in. Rex is coming back. And hey, hey I'm thinking to myself, we're freaking 8-8. Eight and eight. Not that I want to fire Rex right. Ryan, but why are we celebrating that win? Celebrate if you make the playoffs, not getting Rex Ryan right.
1: back. Putting yourself in the worst position to be in the NFL, which
0: is 8-8. Eight and eight. Yeah, oh, no doubt. And believing Geno Smith right. is the answer which turned out not to be the case, and believing John Idzik may be a competent general manager, which turned out not to be the case. So this was the final, I would call it, halfway decent moment of Rex Ryan's career.
1: (laughs) Now the next best moment's basically been brawling with Baker Mayfield on uh, ESPN TV (laughs) at this point. Basically, basically.
0: For 2014, this is a very pivotal year for the Giants. You guys draft Odell Beckham Jr., the controversy on our radio station was Odell versus Zach Martin. That was the big thing. Do you take the lineman or do you take the wide receiver? Well, a lot of
1: people wanted Aaron Donald that year, too. We, I don't remember that as much. Yeah, people wanted to, to re- reinvent the pass rush and get Aaron Donald. But I was all about— That would about, be good, too, by the way. I, I wanted—actually, it's funny. I wanted Eric Ebron that year. Interesting. I did. I wanted a nice pass-catching tight end. I wanted Shocky 2.0. I thought Ebron would be—I loved him at North Carolina. I was wrong.
0: They also let Justin Tuck go to the Oakland Raiders. Right. Tuck wanted to come back. It was so weird him going to the Raiders. Yeah, well, the Giants didn't want him back, right. man. So What'd weird. What'd you think of that?
1: Um I, I understood, but at the same time I felt like when it's that when he's basically the quarterback of that defense for two for those two Super Bowls, you just you find a way to bring him back. You need the leadership, bring him back. I, I was gut wrenching. Go to the Raiders. It was just like ugh.
0: All right, two big moments from receivers. Victor Cruz suffers his patella injury against the Philadelphia Eagles. Heartbreaking. And you knew, um, did you think it was over?
1: I didn't think it was over, and I remember specifically fighting a Mike Missinelli from Philadelphia that night. Okay, he had tweeted out, uh, "Dance to this, it's over, Giant fans." And I felt that was so tasteless.
0: That's that's not from from Eagle you fans. That?
1: It was just like you're, I mean, the guy's crying in yeah. the end zone. I don't get like when players get hurt and stuff like that. I'm just kind of. I'm either annoyed or like, wow, this sucks. I actually had like a little tear in my eye that night, just seeing Victor Cruz yelling like that and screaming like that, knowing what Victor Cruz had yeah. meant to this team. Uh, it killed me, man. It absolutely killed no, I mean, me. No, I felt terrible And I was him. excited about the prospects because Beckham was hurt earlier that year. i right. like, wow, we're going to see Victor Cruz with this guy Odell Beckham. It's probably right. going to be really awesome.
0: And Beckham actually finally starts playing after missing a bunch of time, and he right. makes his infamous one-handed catch uh, week 12 in a game they lost. Were you as inspired
1: by that moment as everybody else was? I've never yelled the words holy bleep so many times in my life than when he came down with the ball. I was so pumped They lost. Up. I don't. I know people rag on that catch because they lost. <laughs> that catch is so special still to oh, me that God. like it's whatever. They lost the game. It's special to you. I know. You're a that, giant fan. You I know. There Super are giant Bowls. fans listening to this right now, going, "What are you, an idiot?" Yeah, because it was just like it. We felt like even if we lost, look at what we have here with Odell Beckham Jr. He's going to do that for us for the next decade. Like, okay, we lost the we lost the battle, but right. we're going to win the war here, and that catch is only the beginning. That's kind of how I felt about it. No, I mean I. I guess I get it now. In it? hindsight, <laughs> you when know, I look back and Beckham's on a Browns now right, and, all right, and I'm right. and, yeah, I'm an idiot. But I, in that moment, I I, I had no. It sucked that we lost, but it was fine that we lost. And it was also just another lousy year. You guys won six games. It was a
0: six and ten year. Are you ready to get rid of Coughlin yet, or are you still loyal because of the
1: titles? No, now it was right after that Beckham rookie year that I started to think it's not about being loyal about the titles, and I know I was all about Beckham pro contract. You can see it on the field schematically. The NFL is changing. Right. Tom Coughlin is not keeping up with the times. The time has come.
0: Well, 2014 for the Jets was an out-and-out disaster. They signed Michael Vick. They released Mark Sanchez. They went 4-12. and 12. It was the the horribleness of Rex. But I, the horribleness of the Rex era, I don't right. want to blame him because most of the blame fell on John Idzik. John Idzik was being crucified by mm-hmm. me, by Joe, by many Jet fans, that he was setting Rex Ryan up. To fail. And that's give not... The tools.
1: I agree. Oh, you do agree. Okay. I do agree with that. It's
0: not that Rex doesn't deserve blame. It was he was being set up to fail. And I think the assumption was Idzik now gets to get rid of Rex Ryan and pick his own head coach. What we would find out after the end of this season is that everybody's gone. Rex has gone. Idzik has gone. I-, I was okay with the Rex era ending. It was sort of sad because of the success he brought it, had. I just knew it was going to be very tough to keep Rex and hire another general manager. Yes. Like, really? You're going to bring in another GM so And you probably that, wanted
1: Izik gone anyway. No, so, Idzik de- right. was the
0: guy. So you deal with it. That's why I think I was okay with it in that right. moment. And history says I think Joe is right with his point of they shouldn't have fired Tannenbaum. They should have kind of kept Rex and Mike Tannenbaum attached. As a team, right. As a team. Because
1: Tannenbaum would have worked harder for Rex, and we you'll never really know what right. end endgame was with Rex.
0: No, I agree. I mean, it felt like he was setting
1: him up to fail.
0: This is the first half of the decade, okay? The Jets had these great moments. Giants had a great moment, a great moment. They went and won a Super Bowl. This is part one of Jets, Giants, Giants, Jets. We're going to come back and do part two. It is about to get
1: insanely depressing. This is like when you watch an E-True Hollywood story and we get to the drugs portion. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) The dark music sets in.
0: It's so funny. When I cut the Met-Yankee one at the end of Part 1, at the end of 14, I was like, things are about to get awesome. The Mets are going to a World Series. The Yankees are about to rebuild on the fly. This is going to be great. I'm warning you. Part 2 is going to make you cry.
1: This is full of a lot of rehab and (laughs) suicide.
0: Pretty much. Thank you for sitting in for Part 1 of the Giants-Jets Decade Review Retrospective. Uh, It will pop up in two days if you're listening to this right as it came out. Part two, Giants Chats. will look at the second half of this decade. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast.